live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're powered by Drivers Village, 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. Alex Gallant, Crunch Forward, set to join us here in about 10 minutes from now. The Crunch opening up on the road tomorrow night in Rochester, then back home to take on the Amherst Saturday night for the uh, home opener to the season. So Crunch Hockey back again. Feels like we... We're just, just talking crunch hockey like yeah. yesterday, but uh, short off season, obviously for the guys making it all the way to the Calder Cup Finals, and they are uh, they're back at I it bet, again. I bet if we think it's short, what do the players think? Ben Grew was asked the other day, the head coach, uh, how long it took him to to get over losing in the Calder Cup Finals, and uh, he kind of half jokingly, you know, made it sound like he he hadn't gotten over it yet. But then he answered the question. He said it took him legitimately about a month. Took him about a month to get over it, and then uh, he moved on, and and now they, you know, obviously started getting ready for this season. Now the the new season uh, is upon us. Uh, crunch get going uh, tomorrow night. I, I do want to spend a, a few more minutes talking college basketball, college basketball before we uh, switch gears and, and talk crunch hockey in the in the next segment. This really is a big get for for Syracuse, and yes. you you look at the pieces that they have in this class now, and we laid them out with Mike. You've got Darius Baisley. You've got your five-star forward. You've got Jalen Carey. You've got a, a four-star combo guard who's you know considered top forty, top fifty in the country. Uh, Baisley, I, I believe, is is top ten in some rankings. Yeah. And you've got Buddy Beheim, who again he's he's going to fly under the radar. I, I think nationally to some degree, but we've seen him play. You know, I've, I've seen him play a lot. Uh, he's really good. You know, and again, you can compare him to an Andy Routens. Um, Andy Routens had a, had a pretty darn good career. Andy Routens is in NBA Syracuse. camp right now. Yeah, right. I mean, Andy <laughs> Routens got drafted. You know, you yeah. went in the second round. So, you've got some nice pieces to the puzzle. And you know, as Mike pointed out, it sounds like Nate Roberts is leaning toward Syracuse at this point. Yeah. A six eleven big guy who's also considering Washington and Nebraska. I think there are going to be a lot of guys, by the way, that in the next couple of years who are considering Syracuse and Washington. Yeah, I think that, and just I, I think that makes sense. And it, you're, exactly. I'm not saying it as a bad thing. Like it's like build, I, I think recruiting we're just gonna, is about relationships, right. and obviously, a lot of these guys have relationships with Mike Hopkins. We know that he was an unbelievable recruiter, which is why he's going to be very successful as a head coach. I have no Absolutely. doubt in my mind that he's going to be very successful. So, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that's a shot at Syracuse at all. If a kid picks Washington, and you, a lot of times you're picking. The relationships, right? You're picking the coach, and a lot of these kids love Hop for a right. reason. I mean, he's great. You yeah. know, that's that's why we miss him so much around here. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a surprise if you see you know a handful of kids, or maybe more than a handful of kids, deciding between Syracuse and Washington, or having both schools on their list. I, I think that's just that's that's natural um, when you, you've you've had a guy building relationships and recruiting a kid so hard, and then he goes somewhere else. Of course, they're going to recruit that school as well. But but the point I'm trying to make is. You know, you've got your forward, you've got your combo guard, you've got you know your buddy Bayheim who who can who can shoot lights out, and in two weeks you may add your six eleven big guy. Right, and things are going all right. It's a pretty darn good place to start if if you're Syracuse basketball, yeah. and that's why. Again, I understand you know fans. You know, it's short for fanatic, and I understand why. You know, fans tend to overreact when a, a big recruit you know gets away and. But my answer is always the same. They'll figure it out. You know, you said trust in the Hall of Famer. 
Trust in the Hall of Famer. They'll they'll figure it out. And yeah, a couple big names got away, but they're figuring it out. And and they've got a, a dynamite start to this uh, to this class of 2018. We should point out uh, the top ranked class uh, in this uh, this 2018 recruiting class. Uh, top ranked program is uh, is North Carolina. They got a commitment last night from Nasir Little. Yeah, who. Is the is the player number twelve referred to in the FBI probe that right. he was the one that apparently there was a bidding war for between Arizona and Miami, upwards of one hundred fifty thousand dollars. There was a quote in there that maybe it's going to be two hundred thousand if That's he doesn't insane. if he doesn't commit. You know by the by the end of the calendar year, uh, and. Again, that's why Jalen Carey crossed Miami off the list, uh, or at least, again, reportedly crossed Miami off the list. You know what that, I found interesting? That school's going to get in trouble. In any event, uh, Nasir Little says yeah. he's going to, to North Carolina. Is that going to either Arizona or Miami? And, and for good reason, I right. guess. Right, and, and I was going to say, about this, I found it so interesting. There's a quote here from Nasir Little on, uh, on ESPN.com saying, quote, I just, I just didn't want to be mixed in a situation where any of the accusations seemed like it was true, because it wasn't. Um, and I just thought that was interesting. Like he's coming out and denying that. And I look, I I don't know how deep it went. I don't know how much he personally was approached. I don't know how much his family was approached or if this was like a thing where, you know, the schools and the, the shoe companies knew, you know what I mean? And like, like Adidas was like, oh, well, this is the plan, but we haven't told him yet. You know, like I, I don't know. So I just find this whole thing fascinating and see see what can come of it. Uh, but that Nasir Little, that this is such a big deal that like he was asked and had to say something about this, you know after after he yeah you know to to confirm by the way that he was that guy in the report so to speak or, or theoretically, um, and also to be like look that didn't happen like I was never offered that money. The way that I look at it is he's kind of got to deny it either way because he wants to play yep. college basketball. Yep. And if he doesn't deny it, then all of a sudden his eligibility is going to be called into question. It may be called into question anyway. I'm sure that you know the NCAA is going to look into this situation in particular because it was you know referenced uh, in that FBI probe. But it, of course, he's got to come out and, and deny it and try to clear his name and clear his family's name because he wants to play college basketball. And if he, in any way, shape, or right. form, asked for money or accepted money, then that eligibility uh, would be called into question. I did see another quote from him, uh, and I, I found it rather amusing, that he, he picked North Carolina. First and foremost, he said he picked it for Roy Williams. And he, you know, he, he says yep. that the coach cares about his players and he, he wants to go there. It's a great basketball school. And secondly, he said he picked it for academics. I, I thought that was that again, given what we know about North Carolina. That is that funny. Wouldn't be at the the top of my list. If well, I was, no, it, I it mean, may be. It may be. It may be. That that might be uh, that might be an intriguing option. Yeah. No, I just I, I found you're it funny. majoring in basketball. That and, may be an intriguing option. It is a good school. We just obviously we we. Uh, tongue-in-cheek say that given uh, the history and they're actually going to hear from the NCAA apparently tomorrow is that that what you said they are Uh, Andrew Carter from the the News and Observer uh, tweeted out this morning uh, the NCAA Committee on Infractions tomorrow at noon will release its final report including penalties Um, so that'll be interesting so we'll have something to talk about tomorrow too yeah, are you tired of talking about NCAA and FBI investigations yet? I will never get tired. I don't think of talking about these kinds of investigations. They just it just makes for interesting talk. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see what what the NCAA many, does. Does a banner come down? Does a championship banner come down? Do two? Quite possibly. 
I read this this morning. The NCAA has has uh, taken down or, or has vacated 11 Final Fours. They have never vacated a championship. And now with Louisville in the 2013 where they might and UNC with 09 and 05 where they might, uh, that's interesting. They've got a big, that's a huge decision to nullify a championship. I think Louisville's losing that title. I do too. Uh, especially in light of the the recent finding as as yeah. well. Um, not sure about North Carolina. Interesting to see uh, what uh, what happens with that. Uh, let's take another time out here. When we return again, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk crunch hockey with forward Alex Gallant. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. 315-437-7644. Phone lines now open for the next 45 minutes or so. We'll have Chris Gedney on the show with us at 1.30. We'll talk some uh, SU football with Geds getting set for homecoming weekend. They call it Orange Central. Syracuse-Pittsburgh 12.30 kick on Saturday inside the Dome. Seth, you and I will be on the, uh, the pregame show up on the quad. Should be another beautiful Day on the quad. Yeah. Um, I I will take as many nice weekends as possible until I have to be sitting up there wearing my uh, my winter coat. Oh, it's coming. I told Alex oh, uh, I know. Gallant in the last segment. It's it's coming. We all know that. Uh, we know that the it'll, the snow will be flying before we know it, but boy, this this stretch of weather has just been it's Incredible. been fun. It's hard to come to work some days when it's you you want to be out golfing. It's eighty degrees in uh, in October. Set a record yesterday. You know, uh, for a high. We just got these these nice new polo shirts here at the station. We did, and I was I was concerned that they were going to come in too late and they're short sleeve, and I wouldn't get any use out of you them. You don't have to wait till the spring. I you don't can break. To, I can break it out. Break on it out Saturday. tomorrow. Yeah, right. Break, break it out for the game on Saturday. Absolutely, and you have a couple of them, so you could wear one tomorrow and then again on Saturday. Saturday. I could. You're in business. Uh, we were talking baseball before we brought Alex Gallant, uh, Gallant on the show, and um, I want to get back to that if we could for a moment. The decision by Joe Girardi uh, to wait on Severino until the series shifts back to the Bronx, and as you pointed out, Tanaka probably goes Game 3, although it hasn't been officially announced yet. Severino would go Game 4, and then you would theoretically circle back to, to Sonny Gray should there be a Game 5, and that would be Gray against Kluber. That's the the Indians' plan why Kluber's going Game 2. He'll be ready to go Game 5. Uh, your thoughts on how the rotation is uh, is shaping up for Joe Girardi and the Yankees? Uh, well, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, given Luis Severino started the wild card game, you you were going to go Sonny Gray too. You were not going to uh, in Game One, I should say. You were not going to pitch Masahiro Tanaka on the road uh, because his home road splits are absolutely incredible. That uh, he he is un he is a different pitcher at Yankee Stadium this year than he was uh, on the road. If you if you just want to look at ERA, he's got a. Th- 6.48 ERA on the road, 3.22 at home. And how about batting average against? Hitters hit 292 against him on the road, just 223 against him at home. So he is significantly, significantly better uh, at home than he is on the road. So there was no way he was going to start game two. Let me uh, rattle off his five starts just in the month of September. So September 2nd, home against Boston, goes seven innings, gives up one run. 
September 8th on the road to Texas, goes four innings, gives up seven runs. Then he comes back home to face Baltimore on the 14th, seven innings, two earned runs. Goes on the road to face Toronto the 22nd, five and two-thirds. Again, gives up seven runs and then closes out the regular season at home against the Blue Jays. And we all remember what he did uh, in that, that game that mathematically yeah. kept us, er, kept the, the Yankees alive uh, for a little bit. Uh, they can't uh, until let the Sox him pitch on the road. Seven innings season. in that uh, season finale for him. Uh, 15 strikeouts, no earned runs. So you're right. I mean, he's been, he's given up three earned runs in three home starts combined uh, in the month of September. Yeah. Uh, and has what twenty six strikeouts? Yeah, in I, those I mean three is, starts. It's not an exaggeration. They cannot let him start a road game in the playoffs. Like it's not an exaggeration. Uh, you cannot let him start a game on the road. Uh, he has to be starting at home. Uh, lucky for the Yankees, most of these games will be night games because that's been another thing for Masahiro Tanaka this year, where day games, he's got a 7 ERA and allows hitters to hit 314. Uh, and in night games, he's just significantly better, a 3.9 ERA and a 234 batting average against. Um, so you, you've got to hope that he's pitching in night games, which you're the Yankees, so he will be. Uh, and you've got you've got to make it so that he is pitching at home. Uh, because it, it just otherwise you're just going to have issues and and you you can't have that kind of performance you you can't throw a pitcher out there with a six and a half ERA in a playoff game you, and it, you just can't do it and again the point that I was making as we were bringing Alex Gallant on the air in the last segment Joe Girardi was asked about. Luis Severino potentially pitching out of the bullpen in Cleveland in games one or two, and he he didn't rule it out. Now, I wouldn't expect it, especially given how good the bullpen has been slash was uh, in the wildcard game, but... If they find themselves, you know, if Sonny Gray gives up three in the first inning and they find themselves going to the bullpen early, then maybe you do go to Severino for a couple of innings to tide yourself over so you don't tax that bullpen too much. I, again, I, I wouldn't think, expect it, but, yeah. uh, but Girardi's not ruling it out. I don't think it's going to happen, and the reason why I, uh, I I say that is they brought six starting pitchers. They added Jaime Garcia to the the roster. They added Jordan Montgomery to the roster, which I was surprised by. So I would imagine that if they got into that same issue where Sonny Gray only goes an inning, only goes two innings, you're going to go to Montgomery. Sure. You know, Jordan Montgomery had a very good year. Uh, you're going to go to Jaime Garcia, who, you know, is kind of an average starter, but like has been for years. You know, you, you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, so I think that if you were to run into that situation again when it's not a do-or-die game, you wouldn't go straight to Chad Green. You know, if 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 Tuesday night was game one of five, you wouldn't have gone straight to Chad Green. It, it was just that, whoa, this is do-or-die. we got to pull out all the stops. I mean, in, in, a, in an elimination game last year, Clayton Kershaw got a save. You know, how many times did Randy Johnson come in in, in elimination games? So it, it's just kind of a, a different way of thinking. And, and I, so I understood adding those different starters, uh, you know, whether it's Montgomery or Garcia, uh, because that's where you're going to go. I, and so I don't think Severino's going to get that opportunity because I really think they want to save him to start, uh, whether that is in game three, uh, where you're down 0-2 or maybe split 1-1 or game four going up against Corey Kluber. Do you think that plays into the to the decision? Because Tanaka has been so good at home, and you just saw what happened to Severino in a do-or-die game. So do you think it matters if you're down 0-2 or if it's 1-1? Do you, do you think that changes the decision? Because I, I'm guessing Tanaka's, I'm sure. Tanaka's starting either way, don't you think? I don't know. 
I, I really I mean, don't he's know. Been, he's been so, so good, good at, at home. No, he has. He absolutely has. Uh, you want your... See, the thing is that 0-2 and 1-1 are very similar to me. And I know 0-2 is elimination, so that's a stupid thing to say on the surface. But if it's 1-1, how many... You know, the 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 probability swings in your favor drastically if you get that one more, right? If you get that third game, probability swings drastically in your favor, you know, so much so that you essentially win the series. Like, it... it I, I mean, I think it's... Uh, I, I gotta check the numbers, but I think it's something like a seventy percent of the time that team who wins Game Three goes on to win the series. Um, and, and so, if I'm the Yankees, you know, I just want my best pitcher there. And over the course of the year, that's been Luis Severino. Yeah, he had an awful outing, but over the course of the year, Luis Severino has been really, really, really good. Yeah, you could look at it two ways, though. If it's 1-1 and for some reason Tanaka loses, now Severino's pitching in an elimination game, and we just saw sure. what happened to him in an elimination game. Um, so I, I'm with you. Maybe you do, if it is 1-1, maybe you do go to Severino because there is, quote-unquote, less pressure. I think you also have to hope hope that it was nerves. It was adrenaline. Right, it but was, if it was nerves and adrenaline, th- those nerves and adrenaline are going to be there, especially yes, if you're facing elimination. Yes, but he's handled it once now. He had never well, pitched in. He experienced it. He, that's what if, I meant. I don't that's, know if he handled it. No, that's it. more of what I meant. He experienced it. He never pitched in a playoff game right. before. He didn't know what this was like. You know, what's the biggest game that Luis Severino had pitched in before that? You know, a late August game against the Red Sox? Like, that's big, but that's not that. You know, that's not that's not fans yelling, screaming, jumping around from, from the jump uh, at Yankee Stadium. That's a That's a totally different game. Understood. I just, I mean, yes, he experienced it, but it did not go well. And to throw him back out there in literally the same scenario saying, you need a win or our season is over, uh, that could be a lot to ask of a youngster that just went out and and obviously things did not go well. So maybe they do come back with him in game three uh, if it is 1-1. And maybe that's why Joe Girardi didn't announce the rest of of the series in terms of his rotation. Well, I also like his chances of matching Kluber more than anybody else's, so I might want him in game four. Well, Kluber is going game five. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. he's going two and five. It's uh, see, that's what's throwing me off too. Like, why is your why is the Cy Young Award winner not going one four or one and five? That makes no sense. I don't quite understand it either. Other than I guess the thinking is the Yankees will know Kluber is waiting for them if the if and when the series goes I back don't. to Cleveland, and that he'll slam the door. He'll get whichever one he pitches in in Cleveland, and then on normal rest he'll come back on Game Five and he'll slam the door on you. And so you gotta you you gotta win the other three, or you're not winning the series. I guess is what I the guess? thinking is. I don't know that you keep him on or his normal thinking, rest. Or the thinking is that if you're down two one, you can bring him back on short rest for four. I guess like I, I don't I don't understand if, I if don't that was understand the case, the thinking. Well, if that was the case, then you would almost Pitch certainly him go one, him in game one so right. that he could come back in four or five. I, I believe they're doing you, you you asked the question, I'm gonna give you my best guess. My best guess is given the way that the series falls, when the games fall, they wanted him to pitch on normal rest, so he's in his normal routine, so they, they're gonna go two and five. Because of how it falls, okay. I think like, I that's guess. that's my uh, yeah, best I guess. Just, I don't I'm with you. It. It, to me, it's strange that you would run the risk of the Yankees winning Game One and having momentum and having confidence and getting off to a great start. But last thing I want, if I'm the Indians, is the Yankees taking Game One. 
Absolutely. And you could have prevented it by throwing your Cy Young Award winner out there. Yeah, well, it, if if that is the case, then that will be questioned for the entire offseason in Cleveland. A, Terry Francona is a great manager, but if the Yankees end up winning, it's on him. If the Yankees win tonight's game, it's on him. Yeah, and then, as you said, that shifts the probability uh, very much uh, in New York's favor with two games uh, coming up in the Bronx. we got to take a timeout as our number one draws to a close. station underway on ESPN Radio. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. Phone lines open for the next half hour or so. Uh, we do plan on bringing on uh, Chris Gedney at 1.30 to talk SU football. The Orange getting set uh, to face the Pitt Panthers. It's Orange Central weekend, homecoming weekend up on the SU Hill. And Seth, I've made this point since really last Saturday, since the loss to NC State. And I know I'm not alone in, in thinking this way. Uh, the season is on the line. Uh, a win keeps them relevant in terms of bowl discussion for the next month when they come home, win or lose against Clemson, Miami, Florida State, win or lose. If they get to three wins with Pitt, you've still got Wake and BC on your schedule, which could get you to five, which could get you uh, theoretically into a bowl game, even if you don't pull off an upset. If you're lucky enough to, to get one of the four, you know Clemson, Miami, Florida State, or Louisville, now you're talking six. So a win on Saturday and you're relevant and, and you still have a chance at a bowl game, you lose and... Two turns to three, turns to six really quickly. The season, in my mind, is over. And I know that's not fair, and I know they have a whole you know second half of the season, and, and for these seniors, they got six more games, and I, I get all that, and they've got opportunities, um, but do they have realistic opportunities is the question, and if you're asking me, I say no. No, I agree with you. I think that this team... You know, we talked about it before the season. They had to be 4-2 and two going into that Clemson game. You, at the very least, had to be 500. You had to be 500 going into that Clemson game. Uh, not because of, like, oh, the season's on the line kind of thing, but, like, just to create some interest. Like, to create some buzz around this program, around this team, around this, you know, f- this idea that, like, there's a football team at SU and, you know, people might actually go to a game if you're playing the top team in the country and you're 500 or better. Uh, you need that to happen. Like, there, there is no buzz around this team, right? Like, we talk about it because we're here in Syracuse doing talk radio, and that's what we talk about. Uh, but, like, last time we were in the Dome, there were, what, 23,000 people there? I know what they announced. But like, let's be real. There was, what, 23,000, 24,000 people there? It was thin. I'll, I'll put it that way. The crowd was thin. I don't know how many butts and seats uh, there were. It there was not were, what but... they announced. No, uh, I don't think so. It was, um, yeah, and it was it was thin. Now, they might get a bump because it's homecoming weekend, you know, Orange Central weekend up on the hill, so maybe you do get a bump with that. Uh, and you'll certainly get a bump next Friday when, when Clemson comes to town. Uh, but if 
a two-game losing streak turns into a six-game losing streak before you come back for Wake Forest Ugly. on November 11th, then you're really going to have nobody in the building for that one. Yeah, um, and that's just that's good. just one of the reasons why it's important. I mean, there are so many reasons why it's important. But if you want to go to the attendance, and you know, you talked about the buzz and and getting people in this town excited, and and there was some excitement, I think, coming out of last year and at the start of this year, and then you gave some of that excitement back with Middle Tennessee. You missed a couple of opportunities against good teams on the road. I don't know how good LSU is, but LSU certainly has a brand name to it. Uh, if you were able to pull off one of those and, and kind of make up for the NC or the uh, Middle Tennessee State game, then then things are a little bit different uh, going into this pit game. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it's, it's it's if you can't beat Pitt at home, I guess this is my point. If you can't beat Pitt at home, who can you what, beat? What makes you think you could beat Clemson, Miami, or Florida State? Well, and I also ask who in conference can you beat at home? Right? And I don't think that's an unfair question to ask because, you know, this this year it certainly looks like Wake Forest is better than Pittsburgh. You know, this year is Boston College better than Pittsburgh? I don't know, but at the very least they're even. You know, so if you don't beat Pittsburgh at home, who are you beating? And that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the season, and we said, "What's the ceiling? What's the floor?" And we both put the four at f- the floor at four. We both said they're not going backwards. They're they're going to win at least four this year. They're, they're not going backwards. And a loss again on Saturday, and this is all hypothetical because the game hasn't been played yet. Maybe they win. Maybe they do get the four or five. But a loss on Saturday, all of a sudden, two becomes a possibility, two or three. Yep. And could you imagine that? And and that would feel like a step back for the program. So many people at the beginning of the season said, I just want to see improvement. The record doesn't matter. Well, they look better. They do look better. But at the end of the day, I think the record does matter to some degree. If you're, it, There is a big difference between 2-10 and 10 slash 3-9 and nine and you know, equaling what you did last year or, or getting another win, right? I mean, that would feel like, okay, they had the same record, but they do look better. There is improvement. Or five wins is tangible improvement in terms of the number. It's kind of hard to make that same case, though, if you're 3-9 and nine or, or two, and 2-10, two and ten, correct? It's, it's hard yes. to make that case of, oh, well, this team's definitely better. And I get that this schedule is insanely difficult. It was pretty difficult last year as well. Sure, it absolutely was. And, you know, last year you're a couple of – Things away from six wins, you know. You're you're well. You're a couple things away from, you know. Well, I potentially meant, being I meant four and one right well, now. I mean, Steve, I, I meant I meant playing in a hurricane. Uh, that uh, having your starting quarterback for an NC State game in the dome, and uh, the the making one stop in a Pittsburgh game. Yeah, well, but again, you know what I mean. Like you, you could go to this season. You could say the same oh, thing. Absolutely. You're, you're a stop, or, or you know, you're a player two away from beating Middle Tennessee. Yep. Certainly, you are a, a stop away from, both. from getting the ball back against LSU. You know, yep. down by two and a chance to win with a field goal. And and again, NC State was a one possession game, so you are a player two away in that one as well. I guess that's my point: is that right. you look back on the three losses. You, you are literally a player two yeah. away from from all right. of those, but they, again, at the end of the day, they didn't win it. So I I see that I see there's improvement. You see there's improvement. Like the product on the field is better. We know the recruiting is getting better. We know the talent and the program is getting better. But you know who it's hard to convince that uh, uh, who that is hard to use to convince the fans. Like, well, the fans who like don't necessarily go. Right, like, sure, we've got like the twenty thousand people who will be there week in and week out. Right? Even the fans that go, though, no, it's, sure. it's tough to convince. Sure, but, yes, I'll but, let you finish. But we've got the twenty thousand who are there. Right, we've got the twenty thousand who are there, no matter what, week in, week out. They're going to be at the games. It does not matter how bad this team is. It does not matter how good this team is. They're going to be at the games. You get like another five, six thousand who are at most of them. Right, 
It's a fun thing to do on a Saturday. And then you got like 10 or 12 or 13 or more who like would like to be there if the team was really good. Right? And, you know, the fans who are there may say, hey, that team looks a lot better than it did last year. Right? Like, I, I watch all the games. I watch the home games. I watch the road games. Like, that team's a lot better. The ones who aren't there and the ones who just want to go when the team is good, they've got no idea. And if you finish, like you said, three and nine, four and eight again, they're gonna be like, ah, the team's not any better. The team's same old, same old Syracuse football. This coach this. isn't getting it done. We gotta do something. I and would, they're not gonna show up. I would say this. A, a win over Pitt isn't winning over those those fans no. anyway. No, but those fans I think are lost until twenty eighteen, in my opinion. Unless you go out and no, somehow pull off one of these. But these Steve, big that's upsets. what I'm saying. To get them for twenty eighteen, don't you have to finish a game better than you did last year? Yes. But but my point is is that it, two and ten or three and nine all of a sudden you know some of those diehards not that they're going to question this this coaching staff because I think by and large people really like Dino Babers and the direction this thing's going but if you ask at the end of the year if we were to bring up on the show for the diehard fans is this team improving it's a debate if they're two and ten or three and nine right if they don't get sure. the actual results at the end of games it's hard to say that well they yeah they're, they're definitely right. improving right because they don't have the same amount of wins as they did a year ago and again I know the schedule is difficult that's just going to be a hard sell so we set the floor at four I don't know if it will affect them in the future but I just think the here and now in terms of the support from this community and the the buzz as you said around the program they really got to get to four. They gotta yes. get to four to at least say, "All right, see, we had the same win total, really hard schedule. We are getting better. Stick with us." If you go two or two and ten or three and nine, you you run the risk of losing some of those diehards that make up the twenty three or twenty five or thirty three thousand or whatever was in the dome uh, for the Central Michigan game. You run the risk of losing some of those. You know, if you take a step back and go two and ten or three and nine, agreed? Absolutely. You have to show tangible proof that you're better. Like it's. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, well, they kept it close at LSU. That team looked good. They they, they fought back in the NC State game. That team in the second half looked good. Uh, but to win over those fans who are not going to the Dome, you have to finish better than you did last year. And they have seven games left on the schedule. Three of them are very, very important. And it's not Clemson, Miami, Florida State, or Louisville. It's the other ones. It's Pitt. It's Wake. It's BC. You got to look good in those games. You got to look good in those games. That's just the way it is. And and the first opportunity comes Saturday uh, at twelve thirty. We'll talk with Chris Gedney here in about twenty minutes from now. We do need to take another time out. We're back after this on Orange Nation.